You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. Good morning, 930 service. How are we doing today? We doing all right? All right, look, really quick, I just want to welcome you to Solid Ground, where we exist to break the fire code, and uh, look, can, can I just really, really fast, okay, um, if you're standing in the back, we want to honor you, um, we've got courtside seats along the side, let's just let's go ahead and sit in the aisle, do whatever you want to do, if you're sitting on the floor, or you're standing, do, do whatever, we're just so glad you guys are here, also, if you have a building um, that's bigger that you'd like to give us, <laughs> He's kidding, but not. So look, um, welcome, welcome, welcome. If we haven't met, my name's Bert. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, it's, it's my honor to get to share the word with you today, um, and also let you know that we do not have this problem at 8 o'clock service. So um, look, really, really excited. We're in a series right now in the book of Revelation. So if you've got a Bible, do me a favor. Go ahead and open up to Revelation chapter 3 is where we're going to be this morning. While you're turning to Revelation 3, just one more thing. I just got to honor this. I love seeing this. I just like, I, I, I love to celebrate things. Listen, we, we don't define spiritual maturity and growth as knowing more things. We define them as loving God and loving people better. Okay, and I, I just want to call this out. I just watched during this service a ton of our volunteers and a ton of our leaders go, listen, I could have a seat, but let me get up and give it to somebody else. And can we just give it up for those guys? Because that's awesome. <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right. So uh, here's where we are in the series thus far. Uh, we, we've been going through this book, and one of the things that we said was, okay, we need to understand Revelation properly, because when we don't, it's the stuff cults are made of. It's like when we can put on tinfoil hats, we get scared, we become alarmist, but that's not the intention of the book. Revelation exists to tell us two things, that, that God is still in control and to hold on even when it feels like he is not. It was written to a group of people who were undergoing a tremendous amount of persecution, and so what, what John does is he gets this vision from God is he's basically invited by the Holy Spirit to see the, this grand painting of history and to step back and go, okay, this is where it's all going. It's symbolic and there's all this fun stuff to it. But, but the idea behind all of it is that God is still very much moving. He has not lost and we'll see the culmination of his victory later on in the book. But thus far, what's happened is this. Like, Jesus has shown up. He's beginning to speak to the apostle John. And he begins to tell him, all right, listen, I want you to say specific things to these seven churches in Asia. And each church represents sort of a spiritual climate of a church. And, and, and there's all kinds of great stuff that we can all glean from that, even if we weren't going to church in Asia. Uh, and so last week, we looked at the, the church of Ephesus. And we saw, okay, you know, this idea of, okay, it's not just grace. And it's not just truth. It's both. And when you subtract one, the spiritual climate suffers. Today what we're going to do is we're going to see uh, Jesus's letter to a church in a place called Laodicea. It's the last of the seven letters that's in Revelation, and we're going to have some fun looking at it. So you guys ready? Oh man, they're even bringing in kids chairs. All right, this is fun. Right. <laughs> Maybe we could build a balcony or something. I don't think fire marshal would be cool with that. We're not going to, just to clarify. All right, um, some of you are like, that'd be a good idea. <laughs> no. So look, um, Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 14, says this. So here's Jesus speaking to the church in Laodicea. He says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, these are the words of the amen, or the let it be done, right? The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creations, of Jesus giving his qualifications, I'm speaking. And so what's he going to say? He says, I know your deeds. 
Now, we saw this last week with the church of Ephesus, right? Okay, the, the way he opens it, right, he's been walking among them. He knows what's going on in their midst. He's aware of what's happening in their hearts and in their lives. And so he begins the same deal. I know your deeds. I know what you're doing. He says that you are neither cold nor hot. Now, we want to pay attention to these words right here. And the reason we do is because it's not just talking about temperature. In the original Greek here, there's a, there's a little bit of uh, an association that we just need to be made aware of. It's not just, hey, it, it, something feels cold, something feels hot. It's something that's actively being brought into those things. So, for instance, when it comes to the idea of something being hot, something being brought to a boiling point, okay, it's on the fire, and it's increasing heat, and the water's bubbling, and what have you. In the same way, it's not just cold. It's something that's being put on ice, and the temperature is actively being moved. And so Jesus says, you're neither of those things. He says, I wish you were one or the other. So he says, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And here, fun fact, the translators of the NIV really chickened out. And because, because what the word literally means in the Greek there is I'm going to vomit you out. Basically, you're, you're triggering my gag reflex. And so, like, you're lukewarm, and so it just makes me like, right? Like, that's, that's our, our Savior. He doesn't pull his punches. And so here's the thing to understand. Okay, you've got, you've got a climate where okay, it's either being brought into heat or it's being brought into cold, but, but what's happening with this church in Laodicea is they're just kind of sitting there. They're lukewarm. Let me, let me put it this way. Um, just, just, I, I am a simple man, just so that you know. Like, I, I really have very few things that I'm into in life. You can kind of sum me up by saying Chick-fil-A, uh, the Atlanta Falcons, and Starbucks. That's pretty much all you need to know about me as a person, okay? Um, and I mean, I, I do my office hours in Starbucks most of the time. I wrote this message in Starbucks. I love me some Starbucks. My favorite drink in Starbucks, if you're curious, is, is a grande caramel iced coffee with cream. Holla. All right. But, but you can get all kinds of treats at Starbucks, can't you? You can, get, you can get like a nice latte with the foam. You can get a frappuccino. I mean, just, just good things. Here's the interesting thing about drinks at Starbucks. They're good when they're hot, and they're good when they're cold. They're not good when they're at room temperature, right? And how many times, okay, I've been working, and I lose track of time, and the ice in my drink just melts. And I'm left with this sludgy, watered-down mess that's nasty. And so then I have to, like, nonchalant sneak over to a garbage can and pour it out and go ask for a refill. I always feel wasteful, but I do it. Um, but same as you're like, okay, how many of you, like, how many of you have ever had coffee that's just been sitting there for a while and it comes to room temperature? It's nasty, right? Like, nobody wakes up in the morning and is like, man, you know what I could go for this morning? Some room temperature coffee. Mm. <laughs> Best part of waking up. Nobody does that. Okay, well, here's the interesting thing. Why? Because nothing is, is actively making it one or the other. Faith is a lot like that. Where when it's kind of left to itself, when nothing is actually happening and it's just kind of stagnant, it doesn't become better. It becomes worse. As Andy Stanley says, he says, listen, we rarely drift into good behaviors. We kind of just sit there and we go, all right, like, you know, when it comes to my faith and I'm, I'm not maybe like serving, I'm not actively pursuing the Lord, you don't become closer to the Lord in doing that. The exact opposite happens. You come to room temperature. You become lukewarm. And that's kind of the thought behind this passage, that when it comes down to it, faith that's left unattended to ultimately becomes stagnant and unhealthy. And so here's Jesus and he's going, listen, be hot or cold. Don't be in the middle. Okay, like pursue me, like let that, let that water heat up or, 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 or pursue me, let the water become ice cold. But listen, whatever you do, do don't just sit there and, and, and think that you're going to grow better because you won't. And so today what I'd like us to do in our time together 
is begin to understand something, that if being lukewarm is such a big deal to Jesus that he goes, I'm going to vomit you out, hello, big deal, then maybe we should pay attention to what the Bible would say about how we get into that state and how we can avoid it. Because many of us, listen, we want to pursue Jesus. You're here, you're in church, you want to be spiritual. So what does it look like to pursue the Lord? Let's focus in on that. Let's understand some characteristics of lukewarm people. I'm going to throw a lot of notes on the screen here. You can write them down if you want, or just watch the recording later, or fall asleep, whatever you want to do. But listen, let's pay attention to what the Bible teaches us about being lukewarm. So the very first thing that we want to acknowledge is this, okay? Lukewarm people can tell you about things God has done, but not things God is doing. Let me say that again. Lukewarm people can tell you about things that God has done, but not things God is doing. Okay, so if, if they're just sort of sitting there in Laodicea, and they're becoming comfortable, and, and they're not pursuing the Lord, and they're not serving, and they're not being sacrificial, then what happens is they become lukewarm. Now, for us, it's kind of the same way. You know, Pastor Josh and I, we, one of the things that we began to encounter as, as the church grew in this area is we, we would meet people, and we, and we nicknamed them legacy Christians. And what we mean by legacy Christian is there's somebody who can tell you about something that they did for God in the past. But in terms of any kind of service for him now, in terms of any kind of living to help other people, that's just gone by the wayside. So they've got all, they've got this great spiritual resume, but when it comes down to living for the Lord now, doing things to further the kingdom now, that, that language is gone from their vocabulary. Why? Because they've become lukewarm. They, they, they go, listen, I've put in my time, so therefore I am fine. But you're not. Listen, listen, if you're still breathing, God has something for you to do here. And lukewarm people, they don't get this because they they have this fundamental misunderstanding. They believe that ministry is for ministers. It's not. Every single man, woman, and child who is a believer has been called by Christ with a unique gift set and unique destiny to further the kingdom of God where they are. But lukewarm people, they lose sight of that. Uh, You know, this past week, uh, as I do most weeks now, I, I got together with, with my dad. My dad just uh, retired from being a pastor 20 plus years, put in time. And even, even after he's retired, he's already found things that he can do to minister to people and, and, and help them. But my dad, um, his, his ministry and his church was primarily retirees, um, like people who, who were sort of reaching that, that, that older point in life. And, and God just blessed them with all this fruit. I mean, like the church grew while he was there. They planted a second church. I mean, it was really, really awesome. And I was asking dad about like, how do you, like what were sort of the, the unique challenges that he encountered as, as, he was, as he was ministering to retirees? Because I'm not a retiree. I, I don't think like one, and if you are, man, God bless you. We're so glad that you're here, but, but listen, I just, I'm, I'm looking for points for how to, to best shepherd you well, and so I was asking Dad, like, what are some things that you encountered? He went, well, sort of the biggest lie that we had to overcome was this belief that, okay, I'm done now. All right, I've put in my time. My life is over. Now I'm just going to coast until I leave. So we had to work to go against that and, and make them see, listen, no, no, like if you're not dead, God's not done. There, there, there is a point to your life. You still have people to minister to. But see, basically what he's saying is let's get them away from being lukewarm because if we become stagnant, we fail. And so Jesus goes, listen, you're not moving. You're just sort of staying there. And he continues in Revelation 3, 17. Let's continue our passage. He says, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. 
but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So basically what he's saying is, okay, listen, like you, you've reached this place in life where you're comfortable. But because you're so comfortable, you don't understand how bad things are for you spiritually. You don't understand how you basically, you know, reached a screeching halt. All you can see is, okay, I have sort of accrued this earthly kingdom for myself. It's like this. There's a, there's a pastor at a church in um, Alabama called Church of the Highlands. A guy's name is Chris Hodges. I love the thing he said one time. He said, listen, when it comes down to the way that the enemy derails the activity of God through believers, it usually comes from one of two places. Either they become obsessed with possessions or obsessed with their problems. It's one of the two. Either, okay, let's listen, my life becomes, okay, I, I, I've got all this stuff, I got a promotion, I got money, I've got this, so now my life is about, you know, maintaining all these things for me, or problems. All I can see is how unworthy I am and how broken I am, so therefore I disqualify myself from ministry and serving the Lord. Because so for those of you, like, your life has become about your possessions, you think that you've been blessed by God, just like the church in Laodicea, but you haven't. Like, you, you've continued to, okay, well, I got all this stuff, so therefore I'm all right. Because look at all these things that I have, but you're so obsessed with your own earthly kingdom and making this life for yourself that you don't understand, according to Jesus, listen, that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. All you can see is earthly things here. You don't understand there's a bigger reality. Because here's the thing about being lukewarm. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Lukewarm people value their comfort above all else. And I mean, there it is, right? Okay, like we got our money, we're doing fine. And so when it comes down to it, the biggest way, like the thing that I'm living for is to just be able to relax. Because you've misunderstood something about the nature of life. Before you received Christ, you lived for you. But then you received Christ and you died. And now from here out, you live for him. And everything that you've got, all of your time, all of your energy, all of your stuff, all of your money, all of that is forfeit because ultimately life here is not about you. It's about him and furthering his kingdom. But see, lukewarm people don't get that. It comes down to, well, listen, gosh, do I, do I feel like doing this? You know, I've had a long week, so would it, would it be okay if maybe, you know, I'll just sort of kick up my feet and, you know, like, like it's this kind of attitude, like what they live for, they'll serve as far as they're comfortable. They'll give as far as they're comfortable. But once it crosses the threshold into being sacrificial, once it crosses the threshold into maybe inconveniencing them, they tap out because they, they, their life is about staying right where they are and their comfort. And Jesus goes, you have no idea. You have no idea how far you've fallen. You, you can't even see that. You think you're rich. You're not. You're actually poor to the point where, you, where you're naked spiritually. You can't even see it. I love in the book uh, Crazy Love by Francis Chan, he has a thing that he says about this that I just, I just want to show you this quote. I thought this was great. So in Crazy Love, Chan writes this. He says, lukewarm people do not live by faith. Their lives are structured so they never have to. They don't trust God if something unexpected happens. They have their savings account. They don't need God to help them. They have their retirement plan in place. They don't genuinely seek out what life God would have them live. They have life figured and mapped out. They don't depend on God on a daily basis. Their refrigerators are full, and for the most part, they are in good health. But the truth is, their lives wouldn't look much different if they suddenly stopped believing in God. Yeah, if, if you can live the same life apart from faith, that you can with it, let me challenge you to think that maybe your faith is not big enough. 
if you are not ridiculously dependent on the movement and faithfulness of God, perhaps you have not been stepping out into the life that God has for you. And I know why we do it. We do it because we're, we're blessed. I mean, in this country, we are absolutely blessed with resources and, and, and material wealth. I mean, like compared to the rest of the world, we're doing great. We are, every person in this room, compared to most people who are living on the planet right now, we are rich. But what happens is we begin to compare ourselves to those around us, and all we can see is the stuff that we don't have, and we begin to lose pursuit of God in, what, in the pursuit of what many of us would call the American dream. Okay, and so our life becomes about, you know, listen, I'm going to work, and, and the reason that I'm working isn't to maybe make more money to give it away or, or help someone else. I, I work so I can make more money so I can afford a certain kind of lifestyle that I've always dreamed of. And I work more so that I can get a bigger house, so I can get more stuff, so that I can I can get all these things, you know, like with the white picket fence and and you know like, and like a family and a dog and a cat and, and a goldfish and like just, I, I want to build this kingdom for me. It's the American dream. Okay, if I just apply myself long enough and faithfully, then my life will be great. But the problem is this: that's not for Christians. Your life, hey. hey your life is not about building things for you here. It's not. It's about building the kingdom of God. You know how I know that? Jesus. Jesus, in Matthew 28, gives what's called the Great Commission, meaning the thing that he charges believers to do. Here's what he says, Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Hey, what should you do in life? You should begin to figure out how you can make disciples of those around you. Not just converts. Not just, okay, we'll agree with them, but no, disciples, people pursuing Jesus. The, the crux of your life is to do this, okay? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And we see this as we go forward in the, in the history of Christianity. The way that the disciples of Jesus lived this out is very different from many of us. What many of us want is to feel spiritual. And so, and so we come to church with, with a sort of fortune cookie Bible verse mentality. We hope I'm, I'm going to go somewhere and I'm just going to learn something and I'm going to feel great. But your life is not about being molded into the likeness of Christ. Um, consequently, I think, if I can just own this for, for a second here, I feel convicted about this. Like One of the ways that, that myself and guys like me have really, really hurt the movement of God and, and the lives of those who have been entrusted to us is we, at times we make things too easy for you. So we're like, right, listen, come to, this like, like, come to this class if you feel like it. Like, go, go to this, uh, we're not expecting much. Like, and, and we lower the bar because we think we're being accessible. We're not being accessible. We're, we're lowering the standard of life for you. Consequently, we're not challenging you to become more like Christ. I think I, think I and others like me have failed you in that regard. And through the grace of the Holy Spirit, we're going to see some change there. But we see this played out. Okay, so go and make disciples. Well, what does that look like in the early church? Well, it looks like this, Acts 2.42. So they talk about the, the first Christians devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Do you know why we do community groups? There. Seems to me that if they were doing uh, fellowship when, when Jesus started this thing, we should probably do that too. Continues. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And, and can we just own this for a second here too? How many of us, um, we've been praying for God to do this? 
Right? How many of us, when we come to the pages of Scripture, we look at what we read there in Acts, and we recognize there's a disconnect from what we read and what we see. And so we're like, God, would you please just stretch out your hand and perform signs and perform wonders, like bring this generation back to you, like, Holy Spirit, would you pour out your power? And our prayer for those types of things stop right here before the next verse hits. So it says this. All the believers, or believers were together and had everything in common. Next part. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, why have I never heard anyone pray for that? No, but it's right there, though, right? Like, I mean, the way that we're seeing them live out their faith is they get rid of their stuff. What are you, a communist? No, I'm a Jesus follower. And it seems to me, it seems to me that if you're, like, right now, if you're becoming defensive, for me just reading you scripture, chances are good that your stuff has a place in your heart that it shouldn't have. You will note in this church, we never take an offering. And we never, ever put you under compulsion to give. But if right now you are so afraid of losing your money, perhaps you have a greed problem that you need to address and bring before the Holy Spirit. It continues, verse 46, every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praying or praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Um, let me ask it this way, because all of us have this great ability to, to, to take texts like this and go, that's for rock stars. That's for like Christians whose story that we love, but not for me. I, I'm, I'm ordinary, I'm not in the Bible, um, but, but you know what, Bert, like, I've had a really good heart, okay? Like, listen, I really, I love the Lord, and I want to serve the Lord, and so, and so, I, listen, I, I hear what you're saying about the lukewarm thing, so, so I'm going to leave here, I'm going to really just figure out, like, how can I, can I feel more? Feeling more. It's not. It's about actively pursuing the Lord and not the world, and if you're curious, if you're curious if your heart is in the right place, Based on what we just read, let me ask you a simple gut check question here, okay? This is how you can tell. All right, look, in a given month, which is more of your time and money go into? Living the American dream or completing the Great Commission? Which one? Do you spend more on yourself? And you just kind of tip God when you feel like it? And this is, this is the thing with, uh, with a cold, lukewarm heart. The, the question is, is never, how much can I give? And how much can I serve? And like, like okay, I see this. I just want to do whatever I can to further it. Like, the, the question is always, like, how much do I have to? Like, for how many of you, like, when, when you come in here, you're, you're kind of curious, like, what's your teaching on tithing? How much do I have to give? In other words, what's the check that I have to pick up? Not recognizing, it's not about how much you have to, it's about how much you get to. Like, how much of me can I give away? How much of me can I, can I surrender to the Lord? How much of me can I use to further the kingdom of God? Like, how can I get me out of the kitchen? Like, how much do I get to do this? Not how much do I have to. But here's why we do this. And this comes back to our idea of characteristics of lukewarm Christians. All right, listen, lukewarm people have their own plans for their lives and try to figure out how to manage God into them. That's a lukewarm person, okay? Your life is not about walking with Jesus, being convicted, however he convicts you, like hearing whatever he has to say to you. It's about, okay, I want to do this in my life. How do I make God a part of it? At which point, you're not following. You're leading and expecting God to follow you. 
lukewarm people, they have their own plans for their life, and they're trying to figure out how they can make God part of it, how they can sort of give God this lip service. They're about building their kingdom, not God's. And so look, jump back into Revelation 3.17. Look at what Jesus says this, okay? You say that I'm rich. I require, look how good I'm doing, okay? And you don't, and I don't need a thing. I am so comfortable. Yes. But you don't realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. You have become so engrossed in building this thing for you that you don't understand the state of your heart and your spirit because here's the other thing based on this that we can observe about being lukewarm. Number four, lukewarm people lack uh, an awareness of their own spiritual state. That's the funny thing about living for you is that it usually doesn't start out with you being like, oh, I'm the worst. It doesn't do that. It does the opposite. You become numb. That's the danger of sin. It's like a spiritual novocaine. You just stop feeling. And here's this church right here, okay? They're like, I'm doing so good. Look at all that I've got for me. And Jesus goes, you can't see it. You can't even see where you are. You, can't, you have no idea how far from me you've fallen. You have no idea how, like, you're, you're dying. You're not hot. You're not cold. And you're on the end of all of it. You just can't see it because they're numb. Their life is not categorized by a dependence on God. A lukewarm person, hey, let me, let me just bring this in for a second here. A lukewarm person is much more concerned with image maintenance than surrender to the Holy Spirit. For many of you, the, the only times that you'll be convicted is if, if it affects how people see you at church. But you live a whole different life behind the scenes. Two of you in this room shredded your family before you got here. You screamed at them in the car, and they put on your smile when you walked in. Care more about the behind-the-scenes thing because you can't see how far you've fallen. Why don't you care? Because you're numb. And so what does Jesus say? Okay, in light of all of this, verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich, you can become actually rich. Gold refined in the fire. So here's the neat thing about, about what he's referencing. In that world, you know, gold is a precious commodity. It's used for commerce, trade, and, and, and wealth. And, and okay, what do you do if you've got gold that has all these different metals in it, all these impurities, all these things that, uh, that shouldn't be there? Well, what you would do is you would take gold, you would put it over a fire, okay? And as it's being heated, as it's sort of melting, all the things in the gold that shouldn't be there would begin to bubble up to the surface so they could be scraped out. The, the heat of the fire began to make the gold more pure. And Jesus goes, I want you to do that with your heart. I want you to, to, to begin to walk into the fire. Why? So you can become rich. And it says, and, and white clothes, okay? I mean, okay. I want you to begin to walk in a purity, not just for leaders, every believer, okay? So you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. In other words, I want your spirits to be restored. And so if we're, if we're evaluating, how do we get from a place of being lukewarm into passionately pursuing Jesus and actually walking with the Lord? I'm going to say something that is not going to be popular, but it will save your life. You ready? Kill your comfort. That's what you do. That's what you do. If, if you want to know how you begin to become hot or cold, kill your comfort. Allow yourself to suffer a little bit for the kingdom. Give more than you think you should. Serve more than you think you have time for. 
dedicate yourself in a way that inconveniences you. Because, listen, if we can just sort of create a snapshot of being lukewarm, I mean, here it is. Look, look, here's lukewarm. Okay, definition, okay? Give when it's safe. Serve when it's convenient. Sacrifice only what allows you to keep what you want. Lukewarm in a nutshell. So what do we do? The exact opposite. Like, like when we give, we give in a way that makes it so we feel, oh man, I could have had that, but instead I'm going to give this away because I recognize there's a better kingdom than the one I want to build for myself. Okay, okay, I, I, I don't feel like serving here, and by the way, serving doesn't mean just at Solid Ground Church. Okay, so don't think that right now this is a talk to motivate you to volunteer. It's not, it's not. Okay, but listen, sacrifice. <laughs> You're not doing God a favor by serving. It's for you. Okay. Sacrifice, like be so sacrificial in your time. There's all these things you could have done, but you chose instead to dedicate it to the Lord and further the kingdom of God through your gifts. Okay, listen, like give in such a way, okay, that when it comes down to it, you, you could do all these things, but instead, no, Lord, you're better. And I know this is hard, okay, because I know like for many of us, life is, we think that life is about us and that God is kind of the icing on the cake. And so this message is really hard. And what I would hate for you to hear from me right now is some kind of disdain or, or this, this heavy judgment that doesn't come from a place of love, which is why I think the next verse in the passage, Jesus absolutely speaks to the heart of that. And he says in verse 19, those who I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Why should you do this? Like, it's not that Jesus is rejecting you. No, he actually wants you. As you're sitting in here today and all this stuff is bubbling up in your heart, like with the gold refined by fire, all these things are coming up to the surface. You're like, man, I'm not as good as I thought I was. I'm not this. I'm not that. Yeah, take that because it's not a rejection from God. That's a conviction of the Holy Spirit. He wants to mold you and change you to be more like him because he loves you. And do you know what you're given in place of all this stuff that you're building for yourself? Verse 20, here I am, says Jesus. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Meaning, listen, if you will give up that, I'll give you me. If you'll give up this world of yourself and this kingdom for yourself, I will give you something better. Me, you will fellowship with me. You will know me and all these things that you abandoned, all these things that you surrendered, man. I will give you something so much better. And I want you to hear this because unfortunately, when it comes to talks like this, what many of us do is we hear, man, I just got to do better. And it's not my heart for you in this. The heart is not for you to do better. It's for you to have something better. Do you know that, listen to me, there's only one reason that you should walk away from anything right now that you are choosing over God. Do you know what it is? Jesus is better. Simple as that. Why should you go, okay, listen, God, like, what can I give? Okay, I just want to know you more. I just want to serve you more. I just want to love you and love people. Like, like I, 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 I'll just give it to you. Like, why should you do that? Because what you find in him is infinitely better than anything you have accrued for yourself. And that process of transition may be painful. Yeah, gold being refined on a fire is hot. But he's better. Perhaps the reason that, that you have been... <laughs> Experiencing a lack of motivation is the only thing you have experienced 
is religion, but not a relationship with Christ. And so you've been given a to-do list, but you've never experienced the thriving joy of spending time with the Holy Spirit, having him speak to you, mold your heart, begin to minister to your heart, and, 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 and change your life. You haven't experienced it. All you've experienced is, is this kind of hollow form of doing things for God. Well, if it's about doing things for God, of course you're miserable. Because Jesus is better than religion. He's better than your stuff. He's better than dedication. And you can have that. And so what else can we do right now but pray and ask him for it? So look, let me, let me wrap. I want to pray with you. If, if, if As you're sitting here today, you would recognize, man, I'm not in a place with God where I should be. I'm lukewarm. You don't have to stay that way. In fact, it's not an accident you're here. I believe God, the Holy Spirit, has directed you here this morning so you can know him better. So like every head bowed, every eye closed, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we choose you. Yeah, 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 we choose you. We love you. We recognize that who you are is better. What we can have in you is better. Lord, we confess as a people right now that we have been poor. We have been wretched. We have been blind. We have been pitiful. And we didn't know it. But you loved us enough to confront us, Lord Jesus. Because you want to mold us to be more like you. Lord Jesus, I, pr I pray for my brother and my sister this morning who's sitting here today. And they're feeling floored. Would you take their broken heart and would you turn it to joy in you? I pray for the one right now who's struggling. In fact, Holy Spirit, you've been illuminating things to their mind that they could give, things that they could give up, ways that they could serve you more, and they're going, ah, and, and, and they're resisting their back and forth. They want to do it, but they're afraid of taking a step in faith. God, would you just show them right now that what they have in you is better than what they have for themselves? We love you, and we serve you, and it is all about you. Thank you for letting us know you. God, I pray that today is a brand new start because your grace begins new every morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.